Oh, it opened. <laughs> okay, um, good morning again. Uh, I realized that I have a very bad habit in not introducing myself. Um, so, I see there's a couple of new faces. I've been here three weeks ago because last week I was sick. Hello, Courtney. Um, and so, my name is Johandre Fischer. And I am married to a beautiful, taller than me, <laughs> wife. And she's the reason that we have two beautiful children. So they look like her. For those of you, I, I met a um, couple there and I said, hey, welcome. This is your first time here. And they, they were like, no, we've been here couple of weeks. So if I haven't met you, I'm so sorry. Um, I'm not a guest speaker. I am an elder in this church. Sure. In the week, Donny uh, phoned me and he said, uh, I think it was Wednesday, Donny. He said, John, can you just facilitate? Can, um, can you just facilitate communion? And I was like, yeah, sure, Donnie. And when I put down the phone, I was like, if you give me half a chance to teach, I will grab it. Because I love teaching. <laughs> and, um, but I also feel this morning there's, there's such a sense of, God, if you don't come and do this, I'm wasting my time. And as you can hear, my, I'm not very like, perfect in... in um, in the way I speak English, the youthies tell me that every, every week. And, and for me, that's cool. Um, yeah, so I, and Penny will also, I'm so sorry, Penny, I always think of you when I... <laughs> um, and, and for me, that's, that's cool because it means I don't have to rely on myself. I can rely on the Holy Spirit to bring the message across. And so this morning, we are going to do communion. But before we do that, I would like to share the story of Abraham and Isaac. And we find that story in, in Genesis. And But before we dive into the story itself, I would like to us to first explore the character. It is important. Anita, fight that area, I believe. Because the signals are interfering and Vaughn is giving me the eye. <laughs> okay. I'm going to try my best now. Sorry, guys. All right, so... Two characters. First one, Abraham. Who was Abraham? We read in Genesis 15, verse 6, we read that um, Abraham believed the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness. In Galatians 3, verse 6, Paul calls him the father of our faith. In Hebrews 11, verse 8 to 19, we're not going to read that. You can go read it on your own. But there's basically three things that, that Abraham are almost say famous for. The first one is, um, says he left his father's house. God called him. He left his, his, his country there where it was comfortable. And God said, go to Canaan. Go to the land that I will show to you. And that, uh, that required a, 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 a lot of faith. And then the second thing is, um, Sarah gave birth to Isaac at an old age. And she did that in faith. <laughs> and, then, um, and then the last thing, and there were many other instances where he portrayed faith, but um, 
the last thing I want to mention is where Abraham went up to the mountain to sacrifice Isaac. And yo, if it's Justine's fault. It's Justine's fault. It's her phone. Um, <laughs> is it? Should I try the other one? Should I try the other one? And so God, uh, yeah, and if any one of you are parents, you would know that that would just be an impossible thing if God would ask you to sacrifice one of your children. But Abraham was willing to do it. And he, in, in Hebrews, we see actually that he, he went through with it knowing actually that God will provide. And so up until the last moment, he had faith that God will provide a lamb, a sacrifice, and that he didn't uh, have to um, sacrifice uh, his his only child. And um, so when we look at Abraham, we can say that he is the father, basically, of God's people. Um, back in Genesis 12, verse 2 to 3, we find a covenant that God makes with Abraham, and we call this the Abrahamic covenant. And he says, and I will make you um, a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And that, someone said, I can't remember who I said, that is almost the most important two verses in the Old Testament, because that is the whole theme of the whole Bible, is this covenant that God makes with Abraham, and eventually he repeats that same covenant to Isaac, um, to, to, to who's the other one, Jacob, and, and, and so forth. And um, until it reaches the, almost want to say the um, climax with, with Jesus coming and eventually saving all of us. And so we find three things in this covenant. We find that God will make him a great nation. In other words, his descendants will be as numerous as the stars. He will make, uh, he will make his name great. Um, and that means that he will, he will change them into a powerful nation. And then the last one, all the families of the earth will be blessed through, through him and through his, God's people. And interestingly, um, we know that we are, with us sitting here are, are, are Jews, any Jews here this morning? Okay, no. So through, Jared, <laughs> so through this blessing, we sit here because we are as Hebrews, uh, is it Hebrews? No, John, uh, John 15 says, we as non-Jews are grafted in. We also became God's people. So we receive that blessing through Abraham and through the nation of Israel. Um, also means, interestingly, I, I, I want to share this, so, say for instance, can I use you as an example, Marco? Marco, you are a Christian. You love the Lord. You make notes as I preach, so you're a true Christian. Um, <laughs> but the Lord's hand is on your life. And I don't know whether your senior or the owner of the farm is a Christian or not, but funny, God's blessing flows through Marco to that person because his life is blessed. Everything, he, he's fruitful where he goes, and everything he touches, makes a success out of it, and so the, his boss also gets that blessing. And so we are called to be the blessing out there. And um, if more unbelievers know this, they would just employ Christians. 
Huh? <laughs> okay, anyway. So the second character is Isaac. Now, we don't know um, a lot about Isaac in, in the beginning or the story that, that I want to share, but his name means he laughs. And so that expresses Abraham's joy when he, when he first met or when he saw this, this, this baby, um, expresses Abraham's delight in him. But he's also the child of the promise. So that means God came to, to, to Abram when he was 75 years old, and he gave them this covenant. He said, I will give you descendants. And Abram, being old as he is, obviously that needed, required faith. Um, but it was only when Abram was 100 years old when, he actually, when, when, when Sarah actually gave birth to Isaac. So it was about, is it 25 years? 25 years he had to hold on to this promise. So when this child was finally born, he's the child of the promise. He's the first outworking of that covenant that God gave him. And so now, this is a big thing. This is, and I, and I explain this thing because he is the child of the promise. And so when he was 15 years old, now imagine waiting for a child born, you're 100 years old, just is 90 years old, you finally get a child. Better one than you, Matthew. No, I'm joking. <laughs> and now, when, when that child is 15 years old, God says, go and sacrifice that child. And that's where I want to dive into the story. So, um, you can, if you can read the story with me, I'll put it on the board. Later on, no, that was 15 years later, God tested Abram's faith and obedience. Abram, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moira. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will point out to you. The next morning, Abram got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood to build a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place where God had told him to go. On the third day of the journey, Abram saw the place in a distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abram told the young men. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. Abram placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulder while he, carried himse uh, while, he, while he himself carried the knife and the fire. As the two of them went on together, Isaac said, Father, yes, my son, Abram replied, we have the wood and the fire, said the boy, but where is the lamb for the sacrifice? And this is a very important verse, verse 8. God will provide a lamb, my son. Abram answered, and they both went on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told Abram to go, he built an altar and placed the wood on it. Then he tied Isaac up and laid him on the altar over the wood. And Abram took the, the knife and lifted it to kill his son as a sacrifice to the Lord. To be continued. Okay, so when we, when we read that, I made the mistake. <laughs> so, guys, you know me. I'm a very systematic person. Very, like, 
When I start reading the Bible, I must start from the beginning, you know, that type. And so I start reading with Clara through the little Bible book. And in the week, we read that story. And I'm like, I can't skip it because it's the next story. It's my personality. And as I'm reading it, I, I realize, yo, I'm traumatizing this girl now. Because why will God... And she asked me this, like, why, why did God... And I try to explain, try to rectify this. <laughs> but I realize just... Hopefully, God, you must just intervene now and change her image because I knew I am. Um, so please don't read that story to your children too soon, okay? <laughs> I think three is a bit too soon. Uh, Tuanya, you can skip that. Um, just wait a little bit longer. All right. But when, when we read this story, we have three questions. There's three questions that pop up when I read that story. And the first one is, how on earth... Can God, who elsewhere in Scripture condemns murder, now command someone to kill someone else? Is that a, is that a legit question that, that we have? It's like, everywhere, like God gives the Ten Commandments. He says, you're not allowed to murder someone, but now He goes and He says, go and sacrifice your son. It doesn't make sense. Eh? It's like evil. I mean, sacrifice of a son, although... He was 15 years old, a teenager, so some of us can maybe understand that. But he's a child. It's still a child, okay? I'm joking, youthies. I'm just joking. I don't feel that like that on a Friday night, I promise. The second question is if we accept the answer to the first question, like I will explain to you just now. Did Isaac deserve to die? That's the question. Did Isaac then deserve to die? And the last question is, so what is the purpose of the story? What is the moral of the story? How does it apply on our lives or to our lives? Sorry, Penny. So the first question, how can God command us to murder someone else? Doesn't make sense. Seems out of character, doesn't it? So the question or the answer to that question is, he can because he's God. He makes the laws. He's outside of creation. He's not a creature. He's the creator. And so he can make the laws and so he can break the laws if he want to. All right? And it's not that strange because elsewhere in Scripture we see that God commands the killing of other people. We first of all see the flood where we see the flood where the whole of humanity was wiped out. We see Sodom and Gomorrah where the Bible says that that the two cities were so evil, God had to wipe them out. We see that when the Israelites crossed the Jordan into the promised land, they are asked to not negotiate with the other tribes, to wage war with them and to destroy them. And so God can do it. But all of these cases that I just mentioned, we all can agree that the people that, that were killed were evil people. Am I right? They were evil people. They deserved I mean, Sodom and Gomorrah, that God sends an angel, and sorry for the children here, but the men in the city wanted to sleep with the angel. I mean, that is, that's crazy. That's evil. So obviously God destroyed them. Makes sense to us, absolutely. But now God asks someone to kill a son, a child actually. And so the question that we ask is, but if we see in the Bible that God commands the, the, the death of evil people, 
Was Isaac then evil? Did he deserve to die? And the answer to that question is absolutely yes. He deserved to die. Let me explain. Romans 3, verse 10 to 12 says, No one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Romans 1, verse 21 to 24 says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals. Verse 24 says, Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts. And so the Bible says that all of us, Isaac, all of humanity, no one on the face of this earth who ever walked on the face of the earth except for Jesus is righteous. We are all evil. See, the problem is we, with our little three kilogram brain, if it's that much, we want to classify evilness. We want to create a spectrum. We want to say, if you kill children, that's super evil. But if you cheat a brother out of whatever, that's not that evil. So give this one 10 years and give that one life sentence or, or, or take his life. All right? And, but for God, there are only, there's not a spectrum. There's only two opposite sides. There's evil and there's God. There's unrighteous, and there's God. And if you're not God, then you are unrighteous. Then you are evil. And I actually want to stop here. And I want to emphasize this. Because the gospel is the good news. But the gospel is only the good news if you realize in what a desperate, desperate, desperate situation you are. If you think that, oh, I'm just okay, it means the good news is not as good as it is, actually. You get that. So I, when, I, when I'm going through this now, I'm not condemning you. I don't want to make you feel depressed. In fact, I want you to forget all of your silly little worries and just say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. I realize now what a bad person I am. So surely a lot of us, and, and I'm including myself here, a lot of us will say, but look, I'm not that evil. I used to think before I committed my life to, to the Lord, I used to think that you get evil people, you know, the, the evil people, those that capture children and sell them into human trafficking. I mean, that is, that is evil. And you get people that, that kill or rape babies. I mean, that is super evil. And surely they will go to hell. I'm okay. I'm, I'm fine. I'm not that bad. I mean, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not good, but I'm not that, that bad. I mean, they, those deserve hell, but not me. But for me, the verse that shook me, and it's still, as I prepared for this message, I was like, Lord. <laughs> verse 24, oh, oh, verse 20, the next one, sorry. 28, I think. So remember, verse 24 in Romans 1 said, God gave them up to the lusts of their heart. Now let's look at what are these things that God gave them up to. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to, the, to a debased mind. And the they is actually us. It's not them. It's actually us. God gave us. God was like, you want to do it? You want to walk away from me? 
then go. I'm not holding you back. And this is what we walk to. They were filled in all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. Foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. And guys, I don't know about you, but if I read that, yes, by the grace of God, I'm not a murderer. I can't promise anything when it comes to my daughters. And God, please, please don't. Please help me. Hmm? Yeah. I'm, of that list, the only one that I'm unguilty of is murder. Or not guilty of. I have coveted numerous times. I'm guilty of malice. I do sometimes become envious of other people and their possessions and their achievements in life. I was very deceitful in the past. <laughs> Boastful, haughty, insolent. I can, I've disobeyed my parents, my parents on numerous occasions. And a lot of the times I am foolish. I am faith, faithless. And at times, especially when I'm in traffic, I can be heartless and ruthless. And, is it, and I want to ask this question, is it just me or is it you as well? And so like I said, I'm not sharing these things with you so that you can feel like, oh no. I'm sharing these things so that you can realize that the good news truly is the good news. Because if you said yes to any one of those things, you are evil. And like Isaac, you are worthy of being placed on that altar. And for me, that is crazy. For me, that is like, Lord, where will my hope come from? Like the Bible said. And so as I am placed on that altar, as the executioner lifts his knife to kill me because I deserve that death, God steps in. Genesis 22 verse 11 to 13. But an angel of the Lord called him from heaven and said, Abram, Abram. And he said, Here am I. Verse 12. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son. Verse 13. Most important verse. If you forget everything, remember this verse. And Abram lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abram went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Does that sound familiar? John 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son to die in our place. Jesus was the lamb sent to die in our place, to take the punishment that every single one in this room, and I'm, I'm standing in the front of that when I, when I include us, every single person deserved that death. But Jesus sent His one and only Son to die on that cross for us and to intervene for us. 
And so I would like us all to close our eyes. We will do communion just now, but I, I have to open the floor and give an opportunity for this. I feel that there's two types of people this morning, or two mindsets, I can almost call it. The first one is, maybe you sit here and you feel like, I'm not worthy for this Jesus to love me. Like, I'm not, I don't feel good about myself, nobody loves me. I just, and then there are some of you sitting here that are like, yo, I'm, I'm just too bad, I need to fix myself first. I need, there's a couple of things that I need to sort out before I can accept this, this Jesus. And so I want to share a story, and I'm so sorry for the person that I'm, I won't call, mention names, but not this Friday, the previous Friday we at a youth meeting uh, did an exercise where we wrote prophetic words on a piece of paper for each other. Afterwards I opened the floor for a time of reflection and and I asked, like, what have you learned about yourself that you didn't know? And one girl put her hand up and she said, I've learned that I'm worth dying for. And as she said that, she broke into tears and I could feel the presence of God coming down on those youth. They were lying there, they were crying, and they just enjoyed this beautiful, beautiful time with the Lord. And with every eye closed, if you feel like you're not worthy or you feel like, yo, oh, I'm such a bad person, I want to say that Jesus said you are worth dying for. <laughs> Jesus said you are worth dying for. If Jesus said it, why on earth would you worry about anyone else's opinion? Jesus said, no matter what you have done, no matter if you killed someone, if you think the thing that you did is extremely evil, Jesus said, you are worth dying for. Maybe, maybe you, God is doing something in your heart right now and maybe you're asking like, so what must I do then? Like what is the response? It's very simple. Acts 16 verse 30 says, the, the present God, the jailer, asks Paul, but what must I do now to get saved? Paul said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Romans 10 verse 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so I want to extend an invitation this morning. That if you have never made that decision, if you know that, sure, after what I said this morning, you're in trouble. I think it's John MacArthur that says, we need to be saved from God by God. And so we're in trouble with God. I mean, we are evil. We are evil beings. But you are worth dying for. <laughs> and he sent his son like he did with Isaac. And so I want to extend that invitation. If you never made that decision, won't you just raise your hand? And I would love to pray with you. Any one of you that just want to say, Lord, I realize now what a bad person I am and that I need you to save me. And it's only accepting what he did on the cross. Is there anyone like that?
Thank you. Thank you. Well done for your boldness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anyone else before we move on? Don't want to move on too quickly. Maybe you're like, should I, shouldn't I? The fact that you're in doubt means that God is tugging at your heart. Cool. If you, if you don't, if you want to come to us afterwards, please do that. Love to pray with you. And so, for the rest of us, we hear the gospel message regularly, and we think it's for the unsaved. We think it's for the people who haven't committed yet. But the gospel message is not just for those who haven't surrendered or who have. We all know who haven't surrendered their lives. The gospel message is for us for every day. Because if I look at that list in Romans 1, there are times where I am guilty of those things. And I'm an elder. <laughs> and there's times where I lose focus and where I take my eyes off God and I become faithless again. And there's times where I just try and do my own thing. And so this morning, I would like us to take communion. Jesus said, take this in remembrance of me. So by taking communion, what we actually do is we just renew our minds and we say, God, thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you have done. And I want us to do that this morning. So how it will work is I will give an opportunity for you to Get yourself a, is it a cracker and a and juice? And and then I want you actually to to form groups. I'm not putting a number to it. You can just small groups, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine doesn't matter. But I want you not to be alone now. I want you to to get together in groups. And guys, please go grab the visitors and, and include them in in your group as well. And I want you guys. And I'll, I'll, I'll walk us through it. You don't have to wonder when you have to eat and when you... When you I'll, I'll walk us through it. But afterwards, I want us to pray for each other. First of all, thank God. Thank Jesus that although we are evil beings, that there's grace, that He sent a lamb. And then I want, I want us to pray for each other. Maybe you struggle with, with something. Maybe there's sickness. Maybe you need a breakthrough in an area. All right. Um, before, before church started this morning, Danelle came to me with a word that she had, and so did Bianca. So I want them to share it real quick, because I think it's important that, we, that these words get heard before we do communion. And I think it's going to be a, uh, an important aspect of when we're in these groups that this part happens. So Danelle, do you want to come and share real quick? So, so 